0: Our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. I'm Karen Conrad, and I just love this topic that we're talking about. A matter of fact, it is like the most popular blog topic of all times on the Wealth Builders site. And it is on the business model generation canvas. Well, I'll tell you what, this business model canvas has helped so many businesses and organizations, all the way from startup, all the way to big corporations. Every box that's in the business model canvas is key, and it really breaks down this overwhelming idea of building a business plan and puts it on one page. And from that one page, we're able to springboard into all different types of a business plan, objectives, details, implementation plans. It's just a very amazing, amazing tool. If you listen last week, we talked about the value proposition and this week we're going to be covering customer segments, customer relationships, and the ever-important revenue streams. So I want to encourage you to fill out your business model canvas as we go along here with these podcasts. If you want a free download of the tool that I'm talking about, go to wealthbuilders.org blogs. And in that blog, you'll see the topic or the, the podcast that I taught on last week And in that blog, you will be able to find the link for the free download. So you can even pause the podcast, print out that business model canvas, and then come back and you can continue along with me today as we go into the customer segments. So, what is a customer segment? A customer segment is the people, the group of people that are benefiting from the usefulness of your value proposition. So the value proposition is really important because it helps you to understand what you're offering to who and what the benefit is. And once you understand that, you're able to further define this customer segment. So number one, who is benefiting from the usefulness of your value proposition The second question is Who are the important customers? And you might say, hey, all my customers are, are important or we'll often hear from people when they first start to learn about this. Everybody is my customer. <laughs> well, let me tell you, clearly everybody is not your customer. There's just no way that you can market effectively or even deliver a product or service to everybody. So this is where it helps you to really refine that target market by asking these questions, I'm going to be giving you some tools, four areas that you're able to really define who it is that's going to benefit from your product or service. So again, customer segments, the question for whom are we adding value? Who are our most important customers? So there's four segments that we're going to be talking about that's going to help you to define your customer segment. The first one is demographics. And when you write out the demographics, it's going to answer questions like, is it children that is our customer segment? Is it adults? What's the age level? What income level? For example, if you have got uh, maybe a luxury car, it's going to be important that you look at the income level of the people that you are marketing to. Because not everybody can afford a luxury car. And if you market it to everybody, you're going to spend a whole lot of money without a great return, right? Other example of demographics is is it married people, you know, single people? It doesn't mean that you don't market or want customers that don't fit your exact demographics, but this is to help you really define that ideal customer that is going to actually get value from your product or service. So number one is demographics. Number two, you want to answer what are the psychographics of people that benefit from your business, your product or service. This could include things like what are their spiritual interests? So if I am a Christian writer and I publish a book, um, you know, based on the word of God, I'm going to want to target my marketing, unless it's an evangelical more book, towards people that have a spiritual interest in Christianity. Values. What are their values? What's important to them? How about personality? Is there something about people's personality that is going to lend more towards your product or service? And what are their opinions? Um, If it's somebody that really values, for example, organic food, health food, then, and you've got a product that meets that criteria. Maybe you are providing a product that's all natural ingredients, uh, maybe organic coffee, something like that. You are going to want to understand the psychographics of the people that will like your product. We used to just Oh my dad was so funny. We would talk about organic food because that's actually a value that that we have in our family meaning me, Levi and Dave and so we would bring up organic food to my dad because we were like wow he would really benefit from this. Well, my dad is a farmer from way back and he just thinks, you know, organic food is just, you know, way to pay more money for food. So that's a great example of two different people, we're in the same family, but we have a value of organic food. My dad does not have that value. So he would not be the person to really target organic food, or organic coffee marketing to, right? That's just kind of a funny example, but I think it helps to understand it. All right. So we've got the demographics, we've got the psychographics. The third one is behavioral. So what are some like examples of behavioral. Well, maybe it's someone that works out every day. Does that fit into someone that would really see value from your product or service? Or maybe there's someone that does homework every night with their kids. Is your product one of those things that would really help them when they do homework? Uh, Or maybe it's someone that goes to church every week. Is there a way that we could leverage that behavior and reach the people that are in our target market? Number four is pay attention to the jobs that need to be done in their work or life. For example, do they need to manage a family? Are they interested in personal development? Are they a mother or a father? Is it important for them to excel at work? Those types of things help you to really determine where the segments and core issues are for your potential target market. All right, so that is customer segments. So I wanna give you just an example of this as well. And this is just easier for me to explain from my own business. And I had to walk through this with my home staging business really trying to determine what my target market was. So if we look at the example of somebody that values home staging, right? What does that look like and how do I find them? Do you know, I knew that real estate agents was my main target market because they're the ones that make decisions for people or they refer or they're, they're, who people look to to help them to understand the value of home staging and who to go to. So I knew it was real estate agents, but you know what? Not every real estate agent had the understanding or valued home staging. So for me, instead of just going after every real estate agent blindly calling on office after office, which I tried to do initially and it didn't work, I found a way to reach the people that valued, home staging. And I did that through offering the continuing education class on home staging. Obviously, real estate agents that were going to sign up for my class already valued home staging or they wouldn't be in that class. So I hope that helps as an example when you use this to think about how you're able to get really into that niche of your target market, your customer segments. All right, the next very important piece of the business model canvas, we're going to talk about our revenue streams. Okay, I'm going to read this quote to you, which is an amazing quote from Billy, and it's so spot on. And I want to share this at the beginning, because it's going to give you a whole new appreciation of revenue streams. Billy says this, the difference between a good idea and a business model is verifiable in recurring revenue streams. Wow, this is something to pay attention to. You know, a lot of people that we coach or or that I've worked with over the years, Uh, Their main problem is they are not making enough revenue to support their business. They're not seeing the growth that they want. They have this great idea, but it's not getting traction financially. And it's because they've not followed this business model process, which we're fixing today together, right? But they're not paying attention to the two different types of revenue streams. So again, the difference between a good idea and a business model is verifiable and recurring revenue streams. All right, so here's some questions that we wanna answer when looking at our revenue streams. Number one, what are your customers willing to pay? This is a, we could talk really the whole time on revenue streams. And if you wanna learn more about this in more detail, come to the upcoming Business Development and Nonprofit Conference at Wealth Builders. Uh, we're going to be covering this business model in detail. Actually, Billy will be covering most of this. And you can register for that at wealthbuilders.org slash events, um, August 19th through the 21st in Denver. But what are customers willing to pay? So when I talk to the business school about this and I'm teaching them in Marketing 101 and Marketing 202, we talk about setting the price in a way That is making sense with the product that we're offering. So, for example, and you know, who would have thought actually way back when that we would be paying $5 for a cup of coffee, right? However, I would guess most people that are listening to this pay $5 for a cup of coffee because it was something that we didn't even know existed years ago. But Organizations, mainly Starbucks is the one that that comes to mind, uh, saw this opportunity and created a need for this specialty coffee. So at the time, I wouldn't have thought, because we would just go down to Dairy Queen or this little restaurant in Wells, Minnesota called Cook's Table, and there was only one kind of coffee. It was brewed coffee. And if you got really fancy with it, you got butternut instead of folders, right? And maybe you put some cream in it, but that's all there was for coffee. But when they discovered that they could create a need for lattes, cappuccinos, mochas, you name it. It opened up this whole new world for coffee and they had to understand what customers would be willing to pay for that type of coffee. So in our businesses, oftentimes we think, oh my goodness, we're the best and we probably are, but we have to pay attention to what the market is calling for. If we've got the same product or service or to look at what a potential Price people would pay if we bring enough added value to bring the price up. So we want to know how to position ourselves in the market and make sure that we come out at a, at a point that people are willing to pay for the service. So I'll just share, kind of take you along here with the example of my home staging business. I had to do a lot of research on this because I needed to understand uh, what people were willing to pay, but also what I could do to bring more value to the table if I wanted them to pay more. I had to learn about the market, but I also had to pay attention to my cost structure to make sure that the revenue that I could earn was even viable to bring me a profit. So imagine how important this is to do at the front end rather than the back end. When all Once you look back and your P&L is negative, your profit and loss statement, you haven't made money, you've lost money. And if you take this step at the beginning, you will be able to either make a good decision to go forward with something and price it right. Or in some cases, a good decision is this is not viable. So this is a really good point to look at the revenue streams and determine that. All right, number two, what cash flow do you need to operate? I think this is one thing for entrepreneurs. I know for me, like I'm so passionate about something. I'm so excited about it. But oftentimes the things that I want to do don't have a viable revenue stream. And so it doesn't present a cash flow that I need to operate and therefore I go backwards. Let me tell you what happens when we as entrepreneurs do that for any length of time. We get discouraged, we get frustrated, and it, it even opens the door to just getting bitter about a business. And we don't want to do that. And we can help think through these things at the beginning to make sure that we don't get ourselves or the people maybe that have hired us to help them in that position. All right. Number three, what is your point of sale? Meaning define at what point do people actually pay you for your product or service? And how do you collect that money? That seems kind of silly, doesn't it? But I can't tell you how many times in conversations when we do consulting where that's a question that hasn't been thought through. So we really think about a product. We think about making sure it's priced right. But the question is, how will people buy it? And where is that decision point in the process? Number four, how big is each revenue stream? There's a reason we're asking that because there's a chart that we have um, you fill out as we go through this process uh, called the Boston Matrix. And that exercise helps take your revenue streams from this box and you plot it in this quad where you determine which has the most potential in the shortest amount of time. Why is that important? Because when we launch something, we launch a business or even a product, we want to make sure that we are hitting the point of profit as early as possible in the process. So it's important to define how big each revenue stream is. And number five, do you have more than one customer segment calling for different revenue streams? It's important that we have multiple customer segments. And as we go into more detail at the conference on this, you'll understand more about this. But usually we've got different customer segments based on where their influence is. Are they a purchaser? Or are they a person that people go to when they're referring? Um, Is there a wholesale level? There's a lot of different questions they have answered that produce the multiple customer segments, and we want to go in the direction of the revenue streams that can meet the needs of multiple customer segments. All right. So revenue streams, here's some examples of those that just get you thinking about it. You're probably already thinking about it with your business. But revenue streams include things like this, an asset sales. So you actually sell something. So if you're in real estate, one of the things that we do is we build in flips so that for cash to come into our company, we're able to do that through a sale of a property. Now, we don't want to sell all our properties. We want to do buy and hold for recurring revenue streams and passive income. But, if we uh, go through money with down payments and we don't think about how we're going to get the money for the next down payments, which is a plan that we do with flips, then we'd get stuck, and we wouldn't be able to build our real estate business. Usage fees are something to consider. Things like subscription fees. We actually went through this with wealth builders. And one of the things that we realized is um we needed to, meet the needs of people for training, but also we needed to meet a recurring revenue stream so we developed Wealth Builders University. That's a subscription fee example. Another example is lending, renting, and leasing. As I mentioned, that can be passive income. It comes in every month. You can count on it and you don't necessarily have to sell something in that situation, but you pick up an asset that you're able to collect revenue on. Licensing fees, brokerage fees, advertising fees, and pricing mechanisms. These are all examples of revenue streams. Also, you want to think about, I mentioned it briefly, but you want to think about recurring revenue streams along with those one-time sale revenue streams. I like to have a combination of both. I want recurring revenue over here that I don't have to think about, it just comes in. And really, it's great if you can cover all your base expenses with that. But then you kind of want what I call a shot in the arm Uh, here and again, with a cash infusion. And that really helps you to build up those reserves. It really gives you cash in the business and can make the difference between a profitable business and maybe one that's just getting by. All right, one question that you want to ask yourself as far as revenue streams is Do you have potential revenue streams beyond the customer's initial purchase of a product? So here is a quote from an an Atlanta based serial entrepreneur and company strategist, Eric Holtzclaw. And he says this A product solves an individual need, but a real business has something customers will come back for again and again. All right, let's move on to our final topic today, which is customer relationships. So what is a customer relationship? Well, a customer relationship answers the question to what sort of relationship do your customer segments want from you? It's really important that you understand this, and you need to define a customer relationship for each. Customer segment. So let me just give you again an example going back to the home staging business. One of my main, most important customer segments was real estate agents, right? So, what do those real estate agents expect from me as a home stager? Well, obviously, they want the home to look great because that's going to give them the best opportunity to be able to sell that home fast at the highest price. But there's some other things that were important to that customer segment that I was able to really think through and capitalize on. One of them is they don't want to have to babysit you as a home stager. One of the things that they value is someone that they can trust, someone that can go in and talk to their customer, their mutual customer, because I'm home staging for their customer, right? And someone that can go in And just take care of it without them having to get in the middle of it. So one of the things that I realized is that the ease of doing business with me was really something that was important for people. Also, most of the time, people don't know a month ahead that they need my services. They wanted the services usually quite urgently. They just got the listing They're ready to put it on the market or they've had a house on the market that wasn't selling and they need me to be able to respond to them quickly. So those were all things that I understood about that customer relationship with the real estate agent. So I built my business to accommodate that. One of the biggest things that I did is as a licensed real estate agent and home stager, it was important because I could get access to their listings at their houses without them having to come and let me in. All right. And then customer service. Here's things to think about as far as a customer relationship. What are they looking for from you in your customer service? They want you friendly. They want you professional. Do they want you to be, or do you have to be close to them? So do you have a business where you need to be able to get to them on site? Is phone support important? Is chat support important? All things to think about with customer relationships. Here's some additional information. We talked about what type of relationship does our segment want? Which ones exist and what's the cost of them? So when you look at, for example, the one that I shared with you that I needed to be available right away. Well, what did that cost me? It might be a money cost. And I'll tell you an example of that. If I have good clients and one of the things that I Tell them that I'm going to provide is I'm going to be available for them to take care of them when they call me within a day or two. Sometimes I didn't have any furniture left. So, guess what I had to do? I had to go buy furniture, usually at American Furniture Warehouse, on the spot and try to figure out how to make in stock things work so that I could deliver that value to them in a way that they expected. Also, if you think about the cost of being a real estate agent, there were fees, MLS costs, you know, E&O, those types of things. That was a cost that I had to take into consideration to be able to deliver on the expectation that I set with my clients that they don't have to come and babysit me. I can go ahead and get in the house without them there. So those are things to think through. It's really easy on the front end to make promises, but what I'm encouraging you to do and what the Business Model Canvas helps us think through is if you make those promises to your customer segments, and those are your customer relationships, right? What does it cost you? And are you able to have a viable profit with those promises? All right, then your relationships, definitely have to reflect the customer's need. So that was something too, that was something to think about face-to-face versus automated. People do it now, but (laughs) you can't virtually stage. Uh, You maybe can online, but when that customer walks in the house, you know what? I needed to be there and I needed to be on site with the furniture. And then every phase of relationship with your customer segment can change. So you want to be aware of the changing needs of your customer, evaluate them. There's anything that's happening that's ongoing, post-sales, retention, you want repeat business. I think one of the best examples of this is, I think it's Eastman's, which is a bakery. And um, they were analyzing their numbers and they realized that the customer segment that they had, which was generally the uh, older group of people, uh, which would be, uh, I have to be careful here because I'm in this age group, but 55, let's say the 75 was the group that they were counting on to buy their pastries. Well, all at once, they, their sales were going down. And they realized that their customer segment was no longer buying as many as their, of their pastries as they used to. And it was really affecting their bottom line. So when they did research, what they found out is that the needs of their main customer segment had changed. What do you think that was? Well, it was really interesting. They were getting more conscious about their health. They were running into some issues like high blood pressure. They had to start to watch their weight. They were maybe having high cholesterol. And so they were not able to consume the Eastman's Bakery product and still watch their health. And so they were at a crossroads. So do we go after a new customer segment, target market? Or do we actually change the way that we relate to our customers and adjust to meet our current customer segment's needs. And that's actually what they decided to do. So they came out with a lower fat, lower calorie, less sugar version, and they adjusted to the needs of their customer segment. I think that is just a very great, clear example of making sure that you stay in tune with what the needs are of your customer segments. All right, so that was a customer relationships and uh, that's all that we have time to cover today, but we are focusing on, on that revenue portion of the Business Model Canvas. So in the next podcast, we're going to talk about channels, which is how people know where you are and how you deliver your product or service. And then we're going to go over to the other part of the Business Model Canvas, which is really talking about the cost of it. So again, um, I just can't impress upon you enough what an amazing tool this is. And you can access more information on the Business Model Canvas three different ways at Wealth Builders. First of all, for completely free, go to wealthbuilders.org, go to blogs and put in business model. And all of the different blogs that we have available will come up. And there's a ton of free content that Billy and Becky have available on this subject for you right there. If you want to go in deeper, you can subscribe to Wealth Builders University, which is a great platform. I think it's like the best value. It's only $299 a year and you have access, unlimited access to all of the video teachings along with the PowerPoints. And we do a monthly mastermind call where you can get on live with one of our speakers and coaches and ask questions once a month. Uh, So to learn more about that, go to wbuniversity.online or where I think would be the best thing for you to do would be to go to, and you'll just get downloads on this and be able to talk to us directly. We keep the group small. Go to the upcoming Wealth Builders Business Development and Nonprofit Workshop August 19th through the 21st in Denver, Colorado. You can learn more about that at wealthbuilders.org events. Well, thank you again for joining me today at the Wealth Builders podcast. We're just so grateful for you for tuning in each and every week. And we're just so glad to have you part of the Wealth Builders family. So God bless you and make it a great rest of the day. We'll see you next week.
0: We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exists to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.